This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. So uh, last week I started uh, some teaching on dealing with death. And my part of this is the origin of death. So we looked at some things last week, and we're going to review some, and then we're going to get into some new information. But as we went through the teaching, the one thing I want you to remember, and, and when you're thinking about this, you know, I was, I was kind of just, just looking and I guess analyzing as a believer what we believe about death. We believe in the redemption. So in our mind, we're like, well, we know that God has the victory over death. He's given us the victory through Jesus Christ. But then we see death here on a daily basis. And we see tragedies happen. And they seem to happen for no common reason or no reason. And in our heart, we're, we're struggling. And then people come up to us because they know that we're Christian or we're in these conversations or we see these things and we don't necessarily know how to explain them. And the thing about it is... in, in just, just bear with me because I want to show you something here. We'll see it and then we'll take what we believe about the redemption, but it doesn't seem to necessarily match up. Because you're like, wait a minute, there's the redemption that God has given us, so that's victory over death, but still we see all these things. And then you try to, in your mind, try to figure it out. If somebody asks you, you try to tell them something to make them feel better, and not, it's not necessarily scriptural. So what happens is two things happen. The person that you told this to, you gave them some information like, you know, oh, God needed another angel. God picked a flower, all these different things. So now they don't have a true understanding of who God is. You have misrepresented God to them. And then in your mind, now you don't necessarily know who God is. And it's undermining your faith and trust in God. Because you say God is good, but then there's death. And why, why is death here? I'm not truly understanding this. So what, what usually happens, though, is as believers, we, we get, uh, what is it, religious. And we say, well, I'm not going to question God. And you know, the thing about it is, it's not that you're questioning God, it's that you're searching you're searching, you're finding, you're drawing close to him and he'll draw close to you. So as believers, when we look at these things, it's not, we're not to just say, well, it just happens, let's just make something up and make it sound good and make it sound pretty because God has given us the victory and just run over it and just gloss over it. No, God wants to give us, God has given us the victory, but he also wants to give us revelation and understanding. So as we go through this teaching, that's what it's about. It's to give us understanding. It's to see what has happened, what has changed, if anything has changed, what is going on. Why is it, why are we in the middle of a pandemic? Why every time you turn on the news, something crazy has happened? Why does all this happen? So today and last week and probably next, we're going to talk about the origins of death. I told you that my intent and goal of this teaching is to understand where death originates and find out if God intended death for man. And we have three goals. Last week, last week we started looking at where does death come from. Then this week we're going to go into when God created man was death part of the plan. And then we're also going to talk about does or did God want man to experience death. So we're going to do a little review here. So, 
Last week, we're not going to go here today, but last week we went to Romans chapter 5. And we talked about it. It was through Adam, one man, who's Adam, his sin, death entered. So death brought sin, but it's through one man, Jesus Christ. His obedience and righteousness brought justification or life in. So death, sin is called, sin causes death. Without sin, there would be no death. So it was through Adam's sin. When Adam sinned, we were all in him. And it's through Jesus Christ that we are redeemed from that sin. So when Adam sinned, he sold us all into bondage. But one man, Jesus Christ, brought redemption. So I wanted to bring that out because as we go through this teaching, we're going to be focusing on how sin brought death. But always remember that through Jesus Christ we have the victory and that God's gift of grace overwhelms the fall of man. So then we went over to Genesis chapter 2. You can go ahead and and turn to that scripture if you want to because we're going to read that in just a few minutes. Um, But we looked over in Genesis chapter 2 and we looked at... um, a few verses there, and we saw where God, who's the creator, gave his creation, man, a commandment. So he gave Adam a commandment. He said, of this particular tree, this tree is here. You can eat from every other tree, but this particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you don't eat from this tree. And if you, if you eat from this tree and dying, you shall surely die. So, Adam, and we went over to verse 3, and we saw, well, Adam decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and do what I'm not supposed to do. So Adam sinned. He was disobedient to the command. When Adam sinned, it affected everything around him. It affected his lifestyle. It affected the earth. And we said, last week we looked over and gave you a definition of sin. It says, sin is to do wrong, to act or intend contrary to the will and law of God. It's primarily a wrong relationship with God. And you know, that's a mouthful. A wrong relationship with God, that's not good. So sin is primarily a wrong relationship with God, which expresses itself in wrong attitudes or actions towards God himself, other human beings, possessions, or the environment. And just from that definition, you can see that sin affects everything. Sin affects every level of human existence, including the sinner's relationship with God and other human beings and the environment. So sin interrupted and disturbed God's intended path and lifestyle for man. So there was something God had intended, but sin came in and it changed God's intention for man. So now let's go ahead and we'll go over here to Genesis chapter 2. And we'll read a couple of verses. We're going to read verses 15 through 17. Then we're going to jump over to the next chapter, chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 19. Because in these verses we see what God intended, and then we see what happened after Adam's sin. So we see Adam's life before he sinned, and we see Adam's life after he sinned. So um, Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So here we have Adam's life before he sinned. 
God put him in the garden to dress and to keep. He said you can eat of everything. God, Adam still had work, but his work wasn't strenuous. It wasn't a toil. It wasn't sorrow. So now we're going to flip over to chapter 3, and this is after Adam has sinned. So verse 17, chapter 3, verse 17. It says, and Adam, excuse me, and unto Adam he said, so this is God talking to Adam. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. So we see in these verses that after Adam's sin, the ground was cursed. So now, here we have before, it was not cursed. It was good. Now, where Adam's going to eat from, the thing that he's going to get, he's going to use it to sustain him, physically is now cursed. And we said the word cursed is to invoke injury or harm. So, the ground now is injured. So what the ground produces, guess what? It's not going to be as good as it could be. It's now injured. Okay? Because you think of if something, the origin of something, if something grows out of something injured, it can only be injured. Because the source of it is injured. So, also when we look, we see in verse 17, we see the word sorrow. It says, in sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. So, Sorrow, we said, was pain, suffering, hard work, toil, labor that is very intense and expending of considerable energy, with a special focus on physical pain that occurs in very strenuous work. So, you know, just reading that definition, like, man, I don't know if I want sorrow. That does not sound good. In the definition sorrow, there was another word that I pulled out there, which is toil which means difficulties, stress, mental anguish. So in sorrow, not only do you have physical exertion and physical pain, you also have mental stress and mental anguish. So now you can see, not only is man's physical body being affected by this, his mental state is being affected. Then, so now you're working in sorrow, you're toiling, and guess what? Over in verse 18, we talked about thorns and thistles. The ground that you have to eat of, now it's going to produce thorns and thistles. And we said thorns were splinter-like tines of a thorn bush. So if they're splinter-like tines of a thorn bush, what is a thorn bush? A a thorn bush is a non-fruit-bearing bush. So before, remember, the trees produce fruit. Now it's something here, this bush, it doesn't produce any fruit, but it does produce pain. Because if you touch that, that thorn-like, that splinter-like time, that's going to hurt you. Then you got thistles. Thistles, prickly plants having no value uh, for producing fruit. So you can see here now where everything was working for Adam before he sinned. Now the ground is cursed and things are working against him. What he needs, it says he's going to eat from the ground, the herbs of the ground. What he needs is there, but he's going to have to get through these things that don't produce fruit, that he can't use. And not only does he have to get through them and they don't produce fruit, but getting through them is going to be painful. Because they they themselves will hurt him. 
So everything around Adam has changed. Everything is now, there's cur- there, the curse is here. What used to produce fruit is now non-producing. You got to look through some, everything used to be good, but now you got bad thrown in with good. And you got to, he's got to go through there and work and hard, you know, you got to figure out, this looks like it's good, but then you touch it, it hurts. Oh, all these things were not there before he sinned. We looked over in Romans chapter 8, we're not going to look at this now, but the whole of creation was affected by, by Adam's sin. And everything was affected by the curse. So we see that the earth is injured because of sin. And when you think about that, when you think, okay, so we live on the earth. If the earth is injured, if it's hurt, if it is, everything is not producing good, fruitful things, if it's producing non-fruitful things that can hurt and harm us, you can see now our environment no longer is conducive to bringing us good, but now it's conducive to making it hard for us. So you think about it. If what you're putting in your body is harmful, where you're getting it from is harmful, imagine what kind of toll that takes on you. So now when you look at this, and remember it's all of creation, all of creation, the oceans, the air, everything was under this curse. So now when you think about that, that shows you that it gives a better understanding of how we get these things that don't necessarily look right. Like why there's a pandemic, because there's sin in the earth. Why are we having earthquakes? The earth is groaning. It's because of the effects of sin. And so we look back and we're like, well, Adam shouldn't have sinned. Don't, and we talked about this last week, don't get all into that. Because if you had been Adam, you would have sinned too. Because the Bible says, all men have sinned. So we don't, we're not going to get into those things and who did what. It's done now. But what we're going to look at is we're going to see that this is in the earth, but God has a solution for that. Back over in verse... Uh, Still back in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look back at verse 19. So we see all these things have happened in the earth. And what once was good is now cursed. It's producing thorns and thistles. There's sorrow um, with it. There's toil. And then we look at verse uh, 19 in chapter 3. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. So that even then you're like, man, you, the sweat of your face, you know, when you think about sweat, you're like, woo, you got to do all of this. Now you're tired, you're sweating, but you're going to eat bread, so you're going to have something to eat. Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt, thou shalt return. Excuse me, shalt thou return. So here, we've looked at this process in verses 17 and 18 of pretty much Adam's life. Like, this is what your life is now. You're going to be um, uh, in sorrow. You're going to eat all the days of your life. There are thorns. There are thistles. All these things are going to happen. And then, after you eat bread, guess what? You're going to return to the dust of the ground. That refers to physical death. So, in, verse, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, God tells Adam, and dying thou shalt die. But Adam didn't die immediately. So we didn't see, we didn't see him and Eve eat, the, eat the, from the tree and then die. Things happened. So, after 
they were disobedient, they sinned, they ate from the tree, death came in. But death is not like just boom. It's a process. So we see the, uh, the suffering, the sorrow, and the toil. Those are all symptoms of death. So you know like when you get a cold or you get the flu, there are symptoms that come along with the flu. You have body aches, you have chills and all these things. You may not have it the whole time they come and go. That's like sickness, soil, uh, sorrow, and toil. Those, that, those come along. Those are symptoms of death. I was looking at this and I was looking at a few translations of Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis 2.17. And it says, dying, it said dying to die. So I'm going to flip back over and and kind of read it and put this other translation in. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So in the day that you eateth thereof, you shall be dying to die. Thou dost die. So I thought about that. You're dying to die. So Adam did not immediately experience physical death. He did not eat of the fruit and then die. But he started a process. He started a process of death that led to physical death. So you can see, and death is not good. So you can see all the things, the curse on the earth, the sorrow, the toil, the working, the sweat of your brow, all those things, those are, the, that, that is dying. That is the dying to get to death. So the way I looked at it, I said, wait a minute. The destination here was death, but the transportation to get to the destination is also death. So it, it's like you, you don't just jump into it. You, it's a process. So when Adam sinned, he kicked off that process. And once again, it affected everything. It wasn't just like here, boom, immediately it happened. But there are things that did immediately happen, and it kicked off this process. But we always have to remember where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So when we look at this and you see this, you're like, well, wait a minute. Once again, you look at it and you say, I don't, I don't necessarily see. I don't, it's still something you're just not understanding. Well, for me, when I was looking at it, it's still something, God, I'm still, it's still some things that I want to, want to clarify with you. I want to get it. I want to talk to you about. And one of the things is like, was death part of your plan? Was, is death part of God's plan from the beginning? Was it there? When God created man, was death part of the plan? So this is, this is our next point. And I want you to write this down. Or type whatever you do. Remember this. Just because we experience something and we think that it's normal, doesn't mean that it's God's order. So, just because we experience something and we think that is normal or even natural, doesn't mean that it's God's order. Doesn't mean that God intended it that way. So, we do not know an existence without sin and death. So, in our, in our minds, there is sin and death because we don't know what it's like beyond that. That's what we experience here. And we think, well, of course, of course sin and death have always been around because it's always been around with you. But that's not what God intended. Man's sin interrupted the cycle of, of life that God intended for all humans. So this is not what God intended. Go over to uh, John chapter 1. 
and we're going to look at um, just verses 1 through 4. Because remember, earlier I was saying sometimes we will say things or we believe things and it's a misrepresentation of who God is and how he works. And the sentence I told you earlier, the statement I gave you earlier about just because we always experience something or it's the way we see things doesn't mean it's what God is intending. God is not a man. And, and keep that in your mind all the time. Because a lot of times we try to explain God in human terms. So we're going to look at that. So, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning was the Word. Here's the beginning. Here's the Word. This is before. The Word was was there. Then the word did not come in the beginning. The, the word was there. So verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, in the beginning, there was the word. So when the beginning came in, if you can, if, I know it doesn't even sound right because it's the beginning, but the word was there. The word is God. The word is God, and the word who is God is life. So you think about that. Now, now, when you when you clear out all your preconceived notions and just listen, just all I'm doing is basically repeating this scripture. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word is life. Where there is life, there can be no death. So, in the beginning, there was no death. And you, I know you're like, what? Hold on. Because that's not, that's not where we are. That's not what we experienced because we've never, we weren't there then. So God is life, so he can't be death. There was a time when there was no sin and death. There was a time when there was no curse. But because we've always lived in it, it's, 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 it sounds good, and you can write it down. But when you, when you really have to understand that and put it in your heart, you're like, well, God. But there was a time that this happened. And when you look at here on, in, verse, in John chapter 1, you can see that. So let's go over to Genesis chapter 1 and 31. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word is God. The Word God is life. And where there is life, there can be no death. So, God is the Word and God is good. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. And God saw everything that he, he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So this, this is God. He's restoring things. He's making things. And he looked at it, and he pronounced it very good. So God is good, and he's the source of all that is good. So death is not good. So guess what? God is not the source of death. And 
as people, we, we don't necessarily, especially where we live now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in just kind of our popular culture. We, watch, we have a lot of reality shows. We have all these things going on. And we always will see um, a protagonist and an antagonist. And even even in our lives, sometimes we will create a problem just so we can solve a problem. That's not what God does. So God didn't have to create a problem. And what I mean by that, God didn't have to create sin and death to show how strong he is. He did not have to create sin and death to show his strength. That's not what God does. God is not, look. Once again, don't think about God like us. Don't, this is not a movie. This is not a book. I don't care how many literary pieces and how many dramatic pieces take things from the Bible and have good and evil. Look, in the beginning was the Word. The Word is God. So, in the beginning was not your favorite novel. In the beginning was not your favorite book. It was not your favorite reality show, whatever. This, this is not The Bachelor. Nobody is the bad guy here. God didn't have to create a bad guy to, to make himself look good. God is God. Look, when you can call something into existence, you don't have to, look, you don't have to worry about who you are. God is not insecure in saying, oh, well, I want to make sure people know how strong I am, so I'm going to create something that I can just throw down and show them how good I am. That's not what God is doing. And I know when you think about it, you say, well, Sister Castile, I know all that, what you're saying. But sometimes, because it's so pervasive in our culture and in our mindset, we think, we take these things, and we may not take all of it, but we take it and we think that that's about God. And that's not who God is. That's not who God is. So, God's not manufacturing drama. You know, he's not like, well, i got to make this story good, so in the end, everybody wants to be there. No, God's like, I'm God. He's the creator, not the creature. He's not doing all that. So let's look over in um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. We're going to look back at this. And I know we're reading a lot, but I want to bring something home here. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So here it is. So this is a command. In this command, there's an if-then statement. If you do this, this is going to happen. So, Adam knows, okay, this is the thing I cannot do. I cannot eat of this tree. If I eat of this tree, there is a consequence. So, Adam, at this point, at this point right here when we're looking at this in chapter 2, Adam knows of the consequence. But it's not part of his reality. And what I mean with it, he doesn't have to deal with it. Because he has not done the if. He has not eaten of the tree. So he does not have to deal with death. Death, death he knows it's out there, but it's not something that he has to deal with. So as an example, I was thinking about this. Stove. You have a stove. You turn the stove on, it's hot. You tell somebody or you know, if I touch the stove, I will burn my hand. The stove is still there. The stove is still hot. If I don't touch the stove, my hand's not burned. But if I do, now I have to deal with a burned hand. You see, that's where Adam was in verse 17 here in chapter 2. 
It was, if I do this, this is going to happen, but I haven't done it yet, so I don't have the consequence yet. So at this point, an if-then statement means you can or you can't. You can get this way or that way. But what he does is based on his choice. So Adam knew that there would be a consequence for his disobedience. God commanded Adam, don't eat of this tree, but he didn't move the tree. The tree was still there. Just like if you have a hot stove, the hot stove is still there. And you know, the thing about it, we don't really know the, the tree served a purpose because God is purposeful. But it was, God just said, don't, do, don't eat of it. But Adam went ahead and did that. It was Adam's choice. All of this is Adam's choice. When you look at that, Adam could have said, no, I'm not going to eat of that tree. But here's the thing. You think about it. We don't know how much time elapses from Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 3. There was a time when they did not eat of this tree. So they had been choosing not to do this for, for however long it was. But then it was a choice that they made to do something that they shouldn't have done. They were disobedient. There was sin. So Adam, and we've been learning about this on Sunday morning, Adam can choose what he wants to do, but he can't choose the consequence of what happens after he does it. You know, I was thinking about this. You can't, you can't uh, plant apple seeds and get a lemon tree, no matter how much you want to. You can't be disobedient and expect to get the reward or the, the fruit of obedience. So Adam knew the consequence, but he chose to disobey. So, and, and the scripture says, thou shalt surely die if you eat of the tree. And if, if is always conditional, means you, you have a choice. You can do it or you don't have to do it. So Adam made the choice to eat of that tree. Brought death. But God doesn't want his children to experience hurt and pain and death. That, that wasn't there in the beginning. Go back to what we looked at in John chapter 1. And then in Genesis chapter 31 and 31, everything God created was good. God is good. He is life. Why would he create something just to have it experience sorrow and pain? Once again, tie it back to God's not creating drama. He warned Adam saying, hey, I don't, this, don't do this. But you have a choice. If you do this, then thou shalt surely die. So, God never intended man to experience death, but he gave man a free will. That's the if. Adam had the choice. And that choice interrupted his fellowship with God. So, if you, if you read it in, in chapter 3, you can see things really change. And we talked about it a little bit, but if you go ahead and you study it out, everything changed. He, he was hiding from God. He used to have fellowship with God. He used to just come in and not have any issues. But then he, he and Eve, they're hiding from God. They come in. They've, they've covered themselves in these fig leaves. And God is saying, wait a minute. What happened here? You did something that you weren't supposed to do. Now you're suffering the consequences. But God, this is how good God is. Because, you know, you know like, like, I like to cook. And uh, most of the time I, I do a pretty good job. But every once in a while I'll forget something and uh, something will burn. And, and, and sometimes I just have to throw it away. It's no use. I'm like, it's ruined. 
when Adam sinned, God didn't discard man. He didn't say, you're done, I'm finished with you, you've sinned. No, what God did was he said, well, you know what? I, I, already, I already had a plan just in case you did something. So before Adam sinned, God already made provision to restore man. So what God did was he, once again, he didn't need to do this for him. He wasn't trying, like I, like I said earlier, he's not manufacturing drama. He's not creating a problem so he can have a solution. That's where we get the, you know, God needed another angel. No, God's the creator. First of all, he, he really doesn't need anything because he's the creator. And whatever he wants, he speaks into existence. So, you know, and I know when, when we say those things or, or we, we believe those things, it's not that we're trying to um, be disrespectful of God or who he is. We're trying to bring comfort. But at the same token, if God, you know, if you're talking to someone and their loved one just passed away and you say something like that, you're talking to a parent and their child who is young just passed away and you say, well, God needs another angel. They're thinking, well, why did he pick my child? Was it not some other person that didn't love their child as much? That's just real talk, y'all. Come on. So when we say those things, we're, we're trying to do what's right, but we're actually making it harder. So... As we understand the origin of death and we understand what God is doing and what he has not done, we always want to remember to have compassion. So, you know, you'll learn these things and you'll say, well, sin brought death. That's why, that's why sin is in the earth. And then, you know, a few months from now, somebody, somebody will be sick. Somebody you know will be sick and you'll say something like that. And that is true, but that is, sometimes it's not the place to say that. Always, always remember, even when you look at how Jesus dealt with people, there's always compassion. And having compassion does not mean you're lying. doesn't mean you're bringing the truth. It means you're being sensitive to the Spirit of God. Last week I said death is not something that a lot of us talk about. We don't want to deal with it until it comes up. So it is uncomfortable. It's one of those uncomfortable things that we have to talk about or we have to deal with. So we kind of push it away. And these kind of questions, we'll have them and we'll say, well, what, well, what should I do? But then even when God gives us an answer, we don't want to, we don't want to understand it. We just want to make it, give it, throw out a quick fix. And I'm saying all that to say, when you are in these, when you're in these times, when you're talking to people and, and you're understanding that if there had been no sin, there would be no death. And when sin came in, it brought death. Be sensitive to the Spirit. When you are, are dealing with people who've lost loved ones or you're dealing with people who are sick or there's been some type of tragedy, talk to God before you start talking to people. And if God doesn't give you something to say, just pray. Just pray. If God doesn't give you something to say, just send them a gift card. Send them a flower and just say, I love you. Don't, don't try to be scriptural. Don't try to get in there and do what you think you don't know what to do because the thing about it is if you come in with the wrong information, now you're pulling them further away from God. So here it is. You come in, that child, their child has died in some tragic accident, and you say, well, God just, God just needed another angel. And they're like, what? How is this good God doing this? 
So now, you know, six, eight months later, they're feeling a little bit better. They've got the head on a little bit straight, and you go try to minister to them. They're not hearing that because the same God that you're saying is so good, you just told them he needed another, they, he needed another angel. So we have to be balanced. We have to be balanced. We're learning this. We're learning this in Sunday morning. We're learning it on Wednesday night. You have, to, you have to see what God is doing and stop trying to make it what you're doing. So when we look at this, Adam sinned, it brought in death, and now you've got this good God who is, who is good. Everything he created, he pronounced it very good. And now you've got man who has decided by his free will, by his choice, to disobey and to sell himself into sin and death. So now... You know, like, you know, I, I'm just going to be truthful. I was like, well, I, I was God. I'd be like, I ain't fooling with Adam no more. He done messed up. But that's not what God did. God said, let, let, me, let me help them. Go over to Romans chapter 5. So, we've got this, we got this sin problem. we got this sin problem. we got this death problem. And it's truly our problem because Adam sold us into sin, sold us into death. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So now we have a sin problem, but God in his goodness and in his mercy, he provided a solution to this problem. But the thing I want you to remember, and this is another thing, write this down. God's plan, his plan of restoration does not override man's choice. God's plan of restoration does not override man's choice. So Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So I love this scripture, especially, you know, you read over there in Genesis chapter 2 and you, excuse me, 3, and we talk about the sorrow, the toil, the thorns and the thistles, and we see that there, that's a result of sin. And then you read at the, at the end of, of verse 20, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So now you're like, wait a minute. Where all of that pain and hurt and basically hopelessness was, where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. Verse 21. That as sin hath reigned unto death. So sin reigned unto death. That means sin had a reign. Like a kingdom, a reign, like a king. So that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So one man's sin brought condemnation. One man's righteousness brought justification that brings life. So, last week we said all of us were in Adam. So when Adam sinned, we were all in him. We were sold into sin. So death passed on to all of us. So we were all in Adam. Death passed on to all of us. But, if you look at this in verse 21... That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So anyone who's in Christ has justification to life passed on to them. So now, that's where that sentence that I just gave you, that the restoration plan of God cannot override 
man's choice. We have to choose to be in Christ so that we can have life passed on to us. So you say, okay, that's great. I've chosen to be in life, or excuse me, to be in Christ so I can have, I'm justified. So justified, okay, so justified, what does that mean? It means that we're acquitted. We're declared not guilty. So, wait a minute, hold on. I know, because this is what I was thinking. If I'm declared not guilty of sin, why is there still death? If I'm declared not guilty of sin, why is there still death? This is what I want you to know. Sin and death aren't more powerful than God. So, you're saying, okay, I'm justified through Jesus Christ. But we still see death. But there is a time coming where death will be defeated. And that's the resurrection. Now, I'm not going to talk about the resurrection, but I want you to know that that, that it's there. So as you look at this, you say, okay, so through one man who's Adam, sin passed on to all men. But in one man, Jesus Christ, there's righteousness unto eternal life. If I'm in Jesus Christ, there's eternal life. But we still see sin in the uh, we still see sin in the earth, and we still see death because there's the fullness of time when God will will deal with all that. Jesus will deal with death, and that's the redemption of the body. So understand that there's a time coming, even though we're in Christ and we still see death now. There's a time coming where that won't be. So Jesus died to deal with mankind's sin problem. The problem that we created when Adam sinned, brought in death, Jesus died for that. He was the sacrifice. He was the one man who brought in redemption. Adam is the one man that we were in that brought in sin. If we're in Christ, that brings us redemption. That brings us eternal life. The only thing that keeps us from being saved is the unwillingness to accept the gift or the finished work of Jesus Christ. So you can see here, not only that, not only did God not intend for man to experience death, but when Adam sold us into death, when we start to experience death, God said, I'm going to be gracious because I'm good. That's not what I, I did not um, create my man for that. That's not what I intended. And he provided a way for us out of that. So when we look at it, just remember, Sin brought death. There was no without sin there would be no death. But that's where we are now. But where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And it's through Jesus Christ that we can have life. So when we think about the origins of death, understand that God is good. He does not have death for his man. It is not what he intended. Go back to the statement I said earlier. God didn't create a problem to solve to show his strength. Man created the problem, but guess what? God showed his strength to bring us out of it. It was not God bringing um, destruction on man. It was Adam's choice. That if-then statement over in Genesis chapter 2. If you eat of this tree, thou shalt surely die. So that's what, that's what happened there. It was not God doing that. Adam made a choice. He had free will. Once he made the choice, though, God, who is gracious, provided a way for us not to have to experience that. And in that time, there's the redemption of the body that's coming. Amen? So next week, we're going to talk about, does God want us to experience death? You know, 
What about that? What, what does God want us to experience? So next week we're going to talk about that. And that's all we're going to do for today. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.